0: Plastic waste is all around us every day, and today we're going to have a look quite deep into the question if 3D printing and recycling can help us there. This is Recreate the Future. Hi, Ronan. How are you doing, Manuel? Very, very fine. Um Thanks so much for taking the time today. Uh, I know that you are quite busy, and it's always difficult to, to, to grasp you and to get, get you down, and today we have 30 minutes with you, and we're going to go all into 3D printing and how it's related um, to plastic recycling and recycled filaments. So thanks so much. And maybe you just wanna introduce yourself briefly.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, My name is Ronan Hayes. Um, I am, as you can probably tell, not from the Netherlands. So I'm actually an Irishman. Uh, I am one of the co-founders and co-CEO of Reflow. Uh, Reflow is a sustainable material development enterprise. Which basically means we um, identify streams of, of plastic waste, then we transform them using engineering and recycling processes into material recipes that can deliver very specific high performance for certain applications in 3D printing um, so yeah, I mean that's a, a sort of a succinct summary, is it I don't know. Uh,
0: absolutely that sounds perfect um, so I think the the, the, the most the easiest way for everybody to 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 understand it is basically like in our rooms back there where we have our 3d printers basically there are piles of your filament um stacked up there and it's recycled fdm filament for the largest part which is probably the core of of the business right
1: yeah exactly so so um really the process for us is is the same um, but we deliver our uh, material recipes are recycled, are sustainable in the sense that they could be biodegradable recipes in, in basically two formats. So one is your filament. So this is your, your roll standard size would be one kg, although you also have your larger four kg for your larger style uh, printers. Um, and then the other form in which we deliver the material would be in granule format. Um, and what's interesting about that is that is both within FDM but increasingly we're seeing more printers that could just run off the granules and don't need the filament the filament I would consider to be almost like fishing line for someone that isn't that familiar with 3d printing. so yeah
0: while well, you mention it I think um, during the last form next I, I have seen the the granular uh, printers Quite, um, quite being a hot, hot topic. Is this, is this the same that you are seeing also in, in basically your sales? That it's kind of s- s- transforming from a bit more from standard filament to, uh, to the granular part.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So Rifo started in two thousand and sixteen. So we've been at it a while. We're getting pretty old. And um, and when we were uh, starting, the only standard for FDM was was filament. So it it would be all on the rolls. There were a small number of of people who had sort of experimental, very uh, large devices where they're attempting to do direct uh, pellet extrusion, but it was very niche. In the last uh, three years, there's been an explosion as a, a large number of engineering and printer manufacturers attempt to get the scale at which you can use direct pellet extrusion smaller and smaller and smaller so that you could have a conceivable Um, small enterprise, or even desktop printer that can run just in granules. And it's still probably not quite there. The price of the machines that can process just granules are um, probably out of the price range of most small businesses and our individuals, but it it will get there. Um, And and basically the trade-off up to now has been the exact level of detail or precision, which these printers can do versus scale. So if I want to print, you know, a big piece of outdoor furniture, some of these larger direct pellet printers are perfect. If I wanted to print a model like some of the guys behind me,
0: yeah.
1: uh, small in that level of detail, they they wouldn't be um, they wouldn't be appropriate because of the nozzle size and the amount of material they deposit. Um, but I guess the advantage of them would be, and, and this is why people are working on it, um, you you completely skip the step of filament extrusion and production. Yeah. Um, which
0: and and I had the chance to, to to visit visit your production, which is probably just from a yeah, square square meter uh, share, which is the largest part in your production, right?
1: Yeah, in our so I mean the core thing for for our factory is basically uh, we operate um, three commercial large scale uh, extrusion lines, and um, soon in, uh, going to increase in, in number, um, but. The other major component of it would be our material analysis, quality intake, quality testing. That's really the core, uh, interestingly enough, the core uh, focus of the business. When you're working with recycled streams, being able to stabilize between batches, being able to substitute between streams from different recyclers, our our material collectors to produce a homogenous product. That's actually the secret sauce of refo. Filament was the output because it is the most popular output and extrusion gives you teaches you the same lessons whether it's um whether you're producing it for actually to produce filament or you're testing the material it's, it's still a fun, an, a, a, an effective way to evaluate um the material so um, it is still the largest part of our of our factory uh, and it is still the largest part of our our commercial business and um, and i think that's how it's going to exist for the wider market of 3d printing whereby over the next 10 or 12 or 13 years, it's not that filament printers will disappear um, yeah. because they won't. because There's so many of them already exist in existence and in circulation, but you'll see a phasing in of the pellet printers. And then the job will be to deliver the exact same recipes um, and colors and compounded materials um, in a smaller volume um, granule form.
0: Okay, I already noticed that with my uh, question about granular we we switched from the uh, we switched very deep into the into the uh, niche questions. Um, maybe let's let's jump yeah. one step back. We, can, we um, can edit this
1: out. No worries. Yeah, we're just gonna put
0: it to the back. Uh, no, no, don't bother. Um, let's 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 go one step back. Um, yeah about um, starting with a problem, because I think it's nobody needs to discuss anymore that uh, we're quite deep in, already into the plastic crisis. Um, and basically everybody, I think it's, it's common knowledge, meanwhile, that we have a huge problem. Um, so therefore, I think the more interesting part is how from your perspective, 3D printing can be one of the solutions with one of your approaches. Um, to tackling exactly exactly that problem.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean the the facts on the ground are still the same. They're getting worse. Effectively, even though there's more um, consciousness around it, you've got 400 million tons of virgin plastic being produced every year, less than nine percent or eight percent.
0: Just jumping into you said virgin plastic because the, yeah. the, whenever I talk uh, with you, I always hear that term. So, the, you first of all differentiate between. Virgin plastic and recycled plastic.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Virgin plastic is novel plastic, which is produced typically using uh, fossil fuels. Um, And that would be virgin first time. um, And, you know, exactly clean um, uh, polymer and no thermal degradation. That would be virgin material. Yeah, it's unusual that the, the term caught on that way, but that's- no,
0: no, no, absolutely. I just want to, for everybody who is not so deep into into, into plastic recycling, um, yeah. just to clarify clarify on the terms. So, um, yeah. based on your model, you take virgin plastic um, after being used, being disposed, as kind of the natural resource to uh, start with your process, right?
1: Yeah, so so they're producing 400 million tons of the new plastic or virgin plastic every year. Less than 9% is recycled and most of it's single use. Most of it ends up in habitats in the sea, in our oceans, in our air, and in our blood supply, in our food supply. And so we're in that 9%, right? And uh, our belief is essentially that while you need to there is no simple solution for this because plastic is a um it is both a polluting uh material but it also is extremely important material for for human beings we don't really believe in evil materials we Mm. um we sort of uh believe that it's it's responsible humans are responsible human systems are responsible for carefully managing which material for which application so i mean if we look at the list of plastics that we use there are some that should just be eliminated because they are either toxic they're non-recyclable um and then there are some which uh you know can be replaced with uh, biomaterial alternatives or biodegradable alternatives and then there are some which are many of the materials in 3d printing that can be recycled many 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 times so instead of taking novel plastic which isn't really required um, which both makes this pollution problem but also produces I mean collectively plastic production produces by five percent of greenhouse gases every year as well and um, why not take the millions and millions of tons of plastic already in circulation and use that again and again and again so that designers can 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 basically create the same things they want to create to the same standard but not be contributing to uh, plastic pollution or carbon emissions So, I mean, in a nutshell, that's that's sort of our our uh, mission. And I think what you'd have to um, distinguish is that a lot of people, when they say recycled and some companies, some of our competitors would say um, they are virgin producers. They they produce new plastic. They have some production left over and they will take that and they will call that recycled (laughs) because it is essentially leftover material. Yeah. And um, now that's actually good. It's great that people are in- improving their efficiency of production in house, but it's not what we do. We're constantly taking streams from organizations who come to us or else we're going to recyclers and we're testing grade upon grade upon grade upon grade um that are p- properly sourced traceable and certified from food packaging, from medical trade packaging, from fishing nets, from, uh, um, from gowns, PP gowns, materials. Yeah. Um, so I mean, the list of, of potential sources is endless.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, the, the good part is your resource um, is definitely not not the problem, and we're not uh, coming to an end uh, very soon, uh, huh? because we uh, have quite almost unlimited sources of those um yep. no but good that you mentioned it so maybe let's 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 understand it by example so you said you can either come uh, establish brands come with some kind of internal waste stream to yep. you um, or you take it from a, um from a recycler so let's maybe start with the first one to understand it so um if i with a brand come to you and as uh, how does it work do you deep dive into the into the production stream
1: yeah, we, we basically have um, a kind of a three-phase structure. Um, first of all, this happened so organically because we were the only people who everybody thought we were whack jobs in 2016, and 17. <laughs> I actually attended a plastics conference wearing a red shirt talking about how we could recycle uh, waste from a waste site in Tanzania and turn it into material to compete with the market. And I remember looking down at about a 100 men and... Uh, primarily German and Dutch were all wearing suits going, who is this moron? <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a funny journey to see it really gain a, a, a traction. Um, but so in 2017 and 18, because we started publishing that, we were actually hitting the same standards as Virgin with recycled streams you could actually uh, trace. Uh, companies like Ace and & Tate and KLM, um, the airline they had came to us and said, "Look, we have these massive streams of plastic waste. In many cases, they're in between post-industrial and post-consumer. Mm-hmm. Post-consumer being um, they've already been used for an activity, and now they've been collected. Post-industrial being um, they have been diverted in the process of creating a product, typically. And um, these streams were good quality; they were consistent in their measure. What can you do with them? And so we developed a framework then." Which would be three key steps. Uh, the first step is material intake and analysis, and that's where you're you're understanding essentially the the properties of the material. Is it flexible? Is it strong? Is it has it? Is it when you does it have great uh, uh, UV resistance? So you can put it out in sunlight for a long time. You're essentially uh, doing a psychological intake <laughs> on your on your polymer, um, and there's two broad categories that would be. Uh, mechanical mm-hmm. and uh, thermal, or chemical, and um, and so you 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 carry out the remit of, of tests on it, and um, using material analysis tools, and um, and then that's your first step, sort of. So now you know what the potential of this material is. You can start to think already what might its commercial value be in the market. What what material might this be useful for? What type of designer would like to work with this material? Um, and then your second step is to say, okay, I've collected a batch of this material and I got this performance, but now I need to take many representative samples from that stream to understand what variation I'm gonna get between batches. Like, do they have contaminants? Um, do they have another material in there that they're not aware of? Um, you're mapping the stream. You're understanding yeah. the flow of material and what you can expect from it. Um, and that's basically the activity you carry out from the, from the first. And, we work, at least we work very closely with our partner because we feel like if you do that work without them in the first step, or if they don't pay for it, there's no involvement, there's no engagement with it. So it yeah. isn't an exciting journey, and it probably won't be pursued uh, as you continue. And then in your second phase, you're saying, okay, let's do this for real. We're going to collect, you know, X amount from, um, you know, sometimes multiple locations and multiple stores or multiple uh, 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 manufacturing locations. And let's try to do a production run of this material. And we're gonna try to find its running rates. We're gonna try to see how it behaves. We're gonna try to stamp out any issues we we find with contaminants. Um, And then we're gonna take the material and we're gonna give it to either our own internal printing team or else find some really top end um, design partners from our ecosystem, because we do sell the materials to amazing designers like yourself. Um, and see what they think about the material. How are they finding it? Would they pay for it? Um, what, what do they not like about it? What is, what is printing well? And that's phase two. And then phase three is saying, okay, we've got this presuming one and two went well. We've got this. We've got a good material. We've got good consistent flows of it. We figured out the issues with it. We've cleaned it. And we've got a good OEM, a processing partner. And we've got the proof of the, of the 3D printing market. They love it. They're doing it. Now let's recycle this on And that's sort of the commercial um, framework route. Yep.
0: Nice. And what I really love also about the use cases um, um, that you've already on, on display, um, how well many brands are able to communicate it. Because, um, I mean, so many brands talk about sustainability and responsibility. And to a large extent, it's just greenwashing. But basically for those brands, um, it's much easier to explain what they are doing because it's so physical. It's not digital at all because you have the waste stream, you have the process. And at the end, in the the best case scenario, you have a new product, which is basically made uh, not just from new resources, but it also takes something out of the the trash stream.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, And I think in the process, you know, just because something isn't appropriate for 3D printing doesn't mean that that time is wasted. You now have classified your waste stream. You actually know its properties, and these properties are also applicable to other manufacturing methods like injection molding. So, for instance, when we worked with Ace and tate they had test lenses that hold your your glasses in place. But of course, they're popped out in store when they arrive at the store, um, and people have prescriptions, etc. So they have tons and tons of test lens material, which is perfectly clean. It was just displayed material yeah um, and you know you can split these there's there's multiple types of them but essentially they have a material called pmma and that's um an amazing material it's using greenhouses it's got great uv properties it's a perfect material and uh, it's not a very established 3d printing material and um, for a variety of reasons which probably are too detailed but um we both developed the material for 3d printing and then in the process also realized that it could be used for injection molding and was an exit material for injection molding so they actually produced their cases for their glasses from this material so when you go down this journey of trying to understand um the the properties of of the materials that you work with it, it's never wasted if you're actually learning the lessons from from the analysis and you're doing it systematically
0: yeah, yeah. um okay i think uh i've i've kind of understood what the process on the brand internal waste stream looks like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the, the the biggest part also for users out there is probably, um, the part, um, from the waste companies, um, and, and their streams, which is probably used for the, um, regular filament of your range.
1: Uh, yeah, we've, we've used both. Um, so like you know it's a pretty reflow is essentially a conduit where we we we're we're really connecting to all of these nodes we're collecting to material science we're collecting to 3d printing we're connecting to recyclers we're connecting to compounders and we're sort of because um they have such large volumes of material recyclers most of the recyclers we work with are, are are working off you know hundreds and hundreds of tons per week or month so the applications for 3d printing weren't their focus they're not spending enormous amounts of detail to figure out if grade one or grade 16 is really yeah. good for, you know, printing benches. That's kind of not their, their, that's not their focus. So that's sort of where we had come in. Um, so for the, for the, for the other approach where we're not, where someone hasn't come to us with the stream, we're essentially going to all of the top certified recyclers, uh, in Europe, we're focused pretty much in Europe because we think material should be local to local, but we have, worked with streams elsewhere and um, and we're constantly checking new grades of material they have constantly trying to understand could they be used for this if it, if they can't be used initially could they be blended using the process of compounding so that's when we take a you know a relatively degraded recycled polymer and we we combine it with fiber whether mm-hmm. that's a natural fiber like hemp or a recycled fiber uh, as we're soon to launch um, so are you are you adding an additive to it? So you're taking something which is 100% recycled and you're bringing it down to 99 or 98, but you're making it infinitely better to print with. And ultimately, that's what matters. Because if I have the most pure material, it's not being touched. It's exactly the trash as it came from, let's say, post-consumer municipal waste, but it doesn't print, nobody's going to buy it. Yeah. So this is the trade-off in understanding how a grade will perform uh, in the in the actual in the actual printing in the printing application
0: um and is is this also the the same system um, where basically the fishing net material came from because i think you've launched it last year or beginning of this year and um i think it was a pp filament so i think we haven't tested it yet but um i love basically all of the applications of it because uh it has a it has this color that really reminds you of fishing nets if you see them somewhere in the harbor yeah. so
1: yeah, it is actually. There's no coloring added to it, so it is it is the exact color of the fishing nets, which is, which is cool. Um yeah, that that was an exciting one for us. Um, it's pretty funny in plastic recycling. Um, ocean material is sort of the holy grail, yeah. And probably because the marketing is so emotive that people people, it's very difficult to 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 relate to the issue of like plastic pollution unless you see something pretty outlandish. But when people inherently see fish choking or dying in 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 heaps of ghost nets or plastic in the sea, that's something that lands with people emotionally. So, um, I mean, honestly, recycling can occur in the ocean or it can happen more upstream before it gets there. So, yeah. uh, it's funny that the ocean-based material is necessarily the one that people think, but I, I get it. We're, we all have quirks like this. Um, but we wanted to develop essentially a a recycled material that was tackling uh, pollution in the ocean. We screened around six different um, recycled PP and PA materials, PA being nylon, and plus the other material using fishing nets Mm -hmm. typically. Um, And this was the one that we felt most confident about based on our uh, testing. And polypropylene is quite a tricky material. I think for the kind of experienced 3d printing users who, who listen to this if they listen to this they will know and um, it, it's subject to warping expands in yeah. shape and so like if you're if you're dealing with that and then on top of that you're dealing with a lot of contaminants again nobody's gonna buy it so what we wanted was to find a really really good consistent stream and to work with a partner that was uh, had a really scalable uh, process and had really good contracts with and the fishing ecosystem so that they could guarantee their supply um, of polypropylene for two, three years. And then the second step we did was we blended it with glass fibre, which again, to some people might be, oh, questionable. Why are you taking this material, that's recycled? That's excellent, but you're adding a, a synthetic fibre to it. For us, it's about the, um, the value of the material. So, glass fibre reduces warping. That's the main challenge with that material. Glass fiber increases strength um, and essentially what you're doing is taking a material that was degraded, which, you know, literally fishermen have to be incentivized to stop just throwing them in the sea because they're useless otherwise um, from their perspective. And you're taking it and you're bouncing up to a material that almost has kind of engineering grade properties. So it can be used for load bearing applications, chairs, furniture, stuff like this. and so in, in, in that regard, we, we just thought, you know, you want this material to last for a long time. You know, the application is going to be used for, you're going to use it for a long time. So I think, I think that would point to another topic, which is basically that sustainability is not a monolith. So like sometimes sustainability means materials that disappear quickly, that are compostable or biodegradable. Sometimes it means materials that actually last forever, but everybody knows that. So they put them to applications where it will last forever. You know um, and it's very durable and it can withstand the elements etc automotive would be an example of a of an endpoint use case like this and then the third category would be we want to end to recycle it and there's materials that can fit in all of those buckets that would be our perspective
0: okay um now i understood that i definitely need to try try uh try the material here um but maybe with having a look uh look to the clock let's let's jump into was that a uh, again was it yeah yeah we, we, we're, we're trying to get to to 30 minutes um okay. no but a question we often get because we we i think for the majority of our products uh, you know we have like a pdf and there's like printing recommendations and we always recommend a recycled filament from from you guys yep. um because we we really really like them um, and we think that for especially for the consumer part we don't see many applications that need virgin plastic so um i think there we're both on the on the same uh, same side but very often we get the question about the price of, of uh recycled recycled uh, fdm filament maybe you can um give us a, a brief overview how it compares up to uh virgin plastic filament uh, quality and price-wise currently?
1: Yeah, so I mean, when we started, um, we had a bunch of post-consumer plastic streams that we were gonna launch as products. And we opted not to, because from the very first time we launched a product, we wanted it to be as good as premium virgin materials, because we'd seen the results. So we, we didn't want people to have to take a compromise in quality or in price to choose recycled. Now, unfortunately, if you compare several categories in the market, you have the top premium end of the 3D printing FDM market. If you're a BASF, you're a These guys are so established. They've been doing it for a long time. They have massive factories. They've got great investments, great automation. Of course, they're going to have economies of scale and advantages in the quality process when as against a, a, a smaller producer like us. Um. So, so that's that's one thing to think about. They're premiumly priced Sort of on reputation, we're priced probably just below them, and because we have this extra massive step and activity, which is sourcing, finding, qualifying, and making sure it's consistent, and and for every stream, for every batch. So we have more work to do there, but we're trying to stay in between them and say your budget grade. So your 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 economy filament, which is coming from you know in many cases Asia. And um, sort of not really sure what the process is. Maybe sometimes uh, variable in quality, although some of them aren't, some of them are great. Um, no focus on sustainability whatsoever. Um, and we're not trying to compete with them because we can't. And, and we don't think that's what we want to do. If we commoditize materials for 3D printing, none of it will be sustainable. It will be cheap, but we'll have more plastic pollution. That's how it will work. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was really funny because... A couple of podcasts ago, uh, I was talking with with Ale Spöhm and um, we also got to the point that uh, sustainability, especially when it comes to 3D printing in the first place, is that people start questioning if they should really print whatever they are able to do. Yeah. Um, and to reduce in the in the first place so but yeah. i mean honestly i mean f- especially from our price comparison i think uh, there is almost no premium anymore when it comes to re- to the recycled part of it um, especially if you compare it to the market price um, yeah. of comparable um, materials
1: I-, I would say we're i mean we just uh what we're doing at the moment is because there is we feel there's EU regulation coming. It's going to change the market uh, a little bit in terms of expectations of, of recycled uh, content for all manufacturing, not just 3D printing. And um, we are advancing our system so that we can produce a higher quality product from more degraded streams. So, I can, I, I, you know, everybody loves the very clean post industrial stream um, that has good traceability and really whoever's producing it can only use plastic. Let's say in the case of sterilizing medical trade, mm. you know, instruments in hospitals, they have to use plastic. So why not use that stream? It's perfect. And um, everybody would like that stream, but does everybody want to work with a stream that's mixed and um, as post-consumer, but if you had a really good sorting and, and filtration system or uh, that you actually could produce sometimes material of the same standard and you constantly have to be pushing that effort so that you can make a higher quality product from a more inferior stream. That's that's sort of, um, that's sort of a focus of ours right now. Yeah. But I think um, in terms of pricing, yeah, I, I would agree. I'd say at the moment we're probably we're probably neck on neck, in, hopefully in terms of quality. That's our goal in terms of quality and price. We neck on neck
0: market yeah. leader. Yeah. Uh, whenever people ask us for recommendations, I say there is basically no reason not to buy it. Because at the end of the day, price is the same, quality is the same, or even better uh, to what you get comparably. Um, and at the end of the day, uh, it's basically the right choice to do so. And if you don't have any negativities, um, it's for me, it's always a no-brainer. And I'm yeah. still, uh, still very often shocked how many people don't consider it yet. Although, of course, it's getting a bigger and bigger topic. Um yeah. But yeah, maybe to to um have a small small look into the future, like um based on the, the, the outlook. Um what um what are the things that are um basically coming that you are seeing um on the recycled filament side when it comes to materials? So um what are uh, what are the trends in that area that basically we can all be happy to to watch to see?
1: Yeah, I mean um I'd probably say there, broadly speaking, maybe maybe three. Um, first of all, I think the area of natural fiber composites is going to become really, really uh, important. Um, so natural fiber, again, a composite would be a blend of a base mm. thermoplastic or recycled thermoplastic. In our case, it's been uh, combined with a fiber to give it new properties that makes it infinitely more valuable uh, to the designer endpoint point application um and we think materials like hemp and flax um have massive capability here hopefully we've got something coming later this year in this in this regard Um and we're in the netherlands so to have a hemp material composite would be (laughs) it would fit right it would would be good
0: kind of natural yeah (laughs)
1: um so and also if you print it there's a a smell from it that's not true Um, (laughs) and made that up uh the second one would be um Biodegradable materials, truly compostable biodegradable Mm -hmm. materials. Um, So, PHA is of of strong interest here and can be blended with PLA. Um, Some sort of an issue, which a lot of people have pointed out, but sometimes sort of angrily on the internet, is that PLA um, actually takes quite a long time to break down and actually needs to be typically assisted uh, industrially uh, at a plant, um, which you could still get out of the material and do so, but that is a very good point. So, compostable materials. And then for reflow, something we've been working on for a while is take-back programs. So it's great yeah. to have materials that are recycled um, already. There's a massive cut in, in greenhouse gas emissions. You're already taking off plastic pollution. You're taking that out of the out of, out of society. But the next step would be then to take those materials back again from customers, provided there it's a suitable volume because there's no point doing it. You're going to almost use as much footprint to take back loads of small you know one kg rows but if you have a lot of medium-sized businesses who are using lots of material some just material type take it back bring it through another cycle sell it again um, and yeah. so those would be the three that that we're focused on at the moment but i mean the world of material science and 3d printing it moves quickly so
0: yeah absolutely no but um jumping in on your point um of take back problems um yeah. We, whenever we talk with, 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 with brands at Enable3D, we always uh, bring up the point that the best, the best point for a repurchase of a customer is when a product is, is broken down. And um I always love the idea of take back programs where you basically take the full product back because this is the exact moment where somebody has a new need for a product or service to be to be served. Um, and on the one side you you, you can you 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 have the perfect loop because you get all of the materials back into your uh, into your system where with a partner like you it can be like really really cool project and on the the other side this is exactly the point where somebody needs to buy again um and it's it's basically like a natural loyalty program and i completely don't understand why not more and more brands are working on this um and basically trying to understand when to to close the loop on the life cycle to start the next life cycle of the product and the customer. So, so I really like, uh... yeah, I mean, I, I think
1: most people who have seen some version of it are, when they think about it, you know, it feels right. You know, it's sort of like the antithesis of force obsolescence, you know what I mean? Like this kind of thing, when like, let's say your laptop is damaged and you bring it and they're like, oh, there's no point, buy a new one <laughs> that feels wrong. You know what I mean? I think if you're not, like, if you're a conscious observer, you don't even have to be particularly interested in sustainability or like, but it's just, you know, it's wrong. It's like, what a waste. So uh, I couldn't agree more to it. I do. I do think the reason more people don't do it is because setting the systems up initially
0: yeah.
1: is a big undertaking. And I still, for a lot of companies, they might have, you know, small enough teams. It's been, you know, a difficult few years. They might have one person in sustainability or two people in sustainability. And actually, the question is, how do you, and they need to be working inherently with the actual product team and production, because otherwise it's not going to make sense commercially unless it's really ingrained in how they do things typically. So I, I think you will see glowing examples coming, coming about very soon. But, um, I think people, people see them. They, they love the idea of them and then they think, gosh. It's too much work. <laughs> I
0: think that's <laughs> what happens, basically. Uh, yeah. All right, Ronan. Let's, let's get to the, to the almost last question. Um, okay. So basically, um, based on your perspective, and you are really deep into the field of, of, of plastic recycling, and then at the end of the day, making it to, to 3D printable material, um, what is the development that you are seeing that most of us, which are outside of this bubble, um, are currently completely underestimating.
1: <laughs> I should have known this question was coming. Sometimes, um, I mean, because I'm because we're so focused on materials on our end, I, sometimes I, I, you, we, we, we miss the wider picture in the in the three D printing. I mean, we've already talked about some of them, which is direct pellet extrusion, which is yeah. you know a portfolio of of. If you know, for us, we're we're basically focused on proving that engineering grade materials. At the top of the markets that 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 large engineering companies would use, that companies like Signify, um, etc., w- would use. We we want we want them to be sustainable and to match the property. So that that would be the thing that we think is going to get broken soon. But in terms of three D printing, I mean, I'm curious to see how AI um, impacts the actual. Success and adoption of 3D printing because, because ever since I joined 3D printing, people have basically been saying, you think it's great and then it's the ours. You know, if they compare it, if they compare it to other manufacturing systems, like the failure rate is too high. I don't know if it is it my design? Is it the material? Is it the printer? And I think that's going to be revolutionary. I've seen some stuff from collaborators like ours, like uh, AI built. Who we are you know the concept of a print being corrected mid print, and that means that a huge number of very large volume applications will go to 3D printing that used to not because if you're 3D printing a boat and the print fails <laughs> in the last 30 minutes after spending five days, you're you're not going to come back to 3D yeah. printing very quickly. So um, the use of AI to massively increase efficiency in print, I think, is is probably the, the, uh, the one that to, to watch at the moment, or at least it's topical, um, yeah. as opposed to AI destroying the world, which is the other topic <laughs> people are raising.
0: So. Yeah. Let's just wait for that one. Um, and then, okay, uh, f- final call. If uh, somebody now uh, with a company, with a non-waste stream understands, okay, maybe that's a really cool, uh, cool project to start. Um, how to start a collaboration with you guys? Um, we
1: have um, open open forms on our website, and um, we are still a small team, and um, so we we seen most of them. I mean, truthfully, we don't get back to all of them, um, which I sometimes do feel bad about. Because in the early days, if somebody was like, "Hey, I've got some waste in my room, <laughs> will you recycle it?" you'd be like, oh, "Maybe," <laughs> and that's not how it works now. So we can be a little bit delayed in getting back to people, but um, we have a project collaboration form on our on our site um and also in our shop you can you can ask for direct um contact with us and that'll be picked up by a member of of um our commercial team so we're we're pretty open in terms of communication and maybe sometimes not as prompt these days as getting back to all of them but that's uh that's going to improve as we grow up.
0: <laughs> all right um perfect ronan thanks so much for this uh little journey into the world of Plastic resourcing, uh, plastic recycling uh, and the easy and sometimes not so easy answers uh, to simple sounding questions. Um, Thanks so much. It's
1: been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very
0: much. Sorry if I went over your time limit. No, I was already (laughs) expecting that. (laughs)